0: Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and we are so delighted to be uh, with you today. We just want to welcome all our listeners. As as you know, from wherever you are tuning in from, whatever part of this nation or the world that you are tuning tuning in, we are so grateful that you could take the time to be with us. You know us already, we're about studying the Word of God. And this is what we are here to do. It's beautiful to to, to really take that time every day. take, Take this time to study the Word as we study it together. Have your Bible with us. Have your heart ready. Have your ears ready to what God wants to say to us. It's always a delight and pleasure to be with the panel. Brother Fernando and Brother Marty, as always, a pleasure and a privilege to be able to share God's Word with you and the people. Brother Marty... Uh, we want to give all the time we can to this word, and so I'm going to leave it with you at this moment.
1: Well, praise the Lord. Yesterday we began a, uh, a continuation of, uh, of, of a series of what we've been exploring, of where we believe that we are, where we believe that we're headed. Um, we began uh, first exploring Samuel and the rise of Samuel, and yesterday we came into uh, the destruction of the house of Eli, Hophni, and Phineas, and the capturing of the ark and the parallels that we believe we see in these stories uh, and how they can apply uh, to the United States of America and the, specifically uh, the, the the church within our country. And this brings us now in the unfolding of, of the story because as we began to talk about on Monday, those of you who who didn't hear you? You can go back to Monday's broadcast because that's really, in essence, where this series begun. But uh, we're now going into a new series. But on Monday, what we what we saw from the Lord and from His Word was that was that Samuel was raised up and became a prophet who witnessed the destruction of two separate houses. One was Eli's house, and one was King Saul's house. And both the, both of them are very, very uh, symbolic and significant. Eli's house uh, represents uh, the ministry, basically, for he was the high priest in Shiloh, and Saul's house represents the ministry of, of a kingship or royal authority. And uh-huh. Samuel saw both both of them come down. And, and, and so it's very significant that within that framework or within that time frame that what God is expressing uh, in that is is a foreshadow of the king that would come after it, which would be the anointing of King David, so Saul uh, Samuel witnessed the destruction of Eli's house, the destruction of Saul's house, and the rise of King David. And all three of these things are are types, shadows, allegories, metaphors, whatever you want to call them, prophetic patterns of a last day um, truth because the last days is going to witness the same thing the the corruption of 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 both spirituality within the confines of 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 the church represented by eli Hophni, and phineas as well as political and governmental and military corruption uh represented by saul all all of them will be witnessed by a prophetic generation symbolic uh, we see in samuel so these and so many other things we could get into and talk that's why i wish we had a classroom brothers <laughs> so we could actually yeah. sit down and take right. this all out and, you know and really teach but we what we do hope happens here is that is that somehow all of us be more inspired to to get into the word of god and and, and to allow the spirit of god to take us into the deeper things of god and, and it's even much more vital now than it's ever been before so today we're going to begin uh I guess it would be uh, for the balance of this week, we're going to look at some things that are really, really significant. So in in essence, it's almost like a part one of a continuing series, but we're going to focus. Probably it's going to take us two or three days to get through this just to do justice. But it's all very, very, very much, uh, again, which is really the emphasis of our ministry, which is the, the prophetic types, the prophetic patterns that we see emerging in the Word of God. And really, this is keeping within with the spirit of, of what the angel revealed to the prophet Daniel. If you look at Daniel yes. chapter 12, where he said that many of the things that Daniel had revealed to him near the end of his ministry were, were closed and were sealed uh, until the time of the end. And he was told there by the angel Gabriel that in the time of the end, God would have a people uh, who would witness the things that Daniel did not understand and that wisdom or the wise he called them would begin to understand what it was uh, that that was hidden and concealed in the scriptures and only in the time of the end would it be understood he said that two kinds yeah. of people would begin to emerge the wise amongst the children of god and the wicked amongst those that call themselves the children of god the wise would begin to be moved by the holy spirit and would begin to have the prophecies or the prophetic scriptures that have been sealed for almost 2,000 years, really, uh, only to be unveiled and and unsealed in the last days and would suddenly begin to make sense uh, at a much more profound and deeper level, all toward the end or or, or the goal of signaling to that last generation that the coming of the Lord was at hand. And so with all that said, I want to begin today's study, and we're going to focus on something. And, and I hope that it, it challenges you as you begin to hear some, what are to me very profound and deep things that God's word is has concealed and is revealing. Um, Brother Jeremy, would you read uh, 1 Samuel 15, verse 1 through 3? 1 Samuel 15, verse 1 through
0: 3. Yes. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee, to be king over his people, over Israel. And now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. But slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass.
1: Amen. So I want to take our subject uh, from from verse 3, those first uh, five words. Now go and smite Amalek. and And as I as we begin to get into this i want us to take our time because we can rush through this but it to do so would be would be uh you know doing a disservice to what god is saying here so we're going to begin to look at as we go forward uh at, at what happened in this story because samuel comes to saul and he he tells him go and smite Amalek. well Amalek uh was the name of a particular individual. He wasn't alive at the time that Samuel told him that. But whenever you read things like that in the Word of God, it is meant to alert the student of the Word of God that something more deep and profound is being expressed. He he didn't say go smite the Amalekites. He said go smite Amalek. So he refers to the original leader of the tribe, or the the original father of the tribe of the Amalekites. That's how God sees it. In verse two, what Brother Jeremy just read, he uses uh, the term, thus saith the Lord of hosts. Very interesting phraseology there. Number one, whenever you see the word Lord of hosts, it's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He's known as the Lord of hosts. There's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, right? But Whenever you see, for instance, in the Bible, you'll pay attention to the phrases that are used. Sometimes he's just referred to as the Lord. Sometimes he's referred to as the Lord God, right? Sometimes he's referred to as the Lord of hosts. Lord is is the proper title and name of the Father. It is it is the sacred name of God. It, it's known as, or, or people in the Hebrew call him, Ehovah. Even the, the Jews say that they don't even know how to pronounce his name, but but he's, he's, named, he's known as Ehovah. So Lord is Ehovah. God is Elohim, which is plurality and unity at the same time. So it, it's a hint and a reference to uh, the Godhead as a whole. So Lord God is referred to at times. And then the Lord of hosts or the captain or the general, if you will, of the hosts, speaking of the armies of heaven, so that's what Samuel says there in fifteen two. He says, "This is who's talking." He says to to Saul. He says, "Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember what Amalek did to Israel, and how he was laying in wait for him when he came up from Egypt. Now go smite Amalek." It's really, <laughs> if you just read it like that, it's it's really amazing how God speaks. First, he, aden- he addresses Saul as a commanding general of the armies of the Lord. And then he says, I remember what Amalek, the original, did when, when he waited for the children of Israel who had just been delivered from Egypt and he sought to destroy them. It's very interesting because th- this, is, this is, golly, I don't know how many years later, maybe a thousand years later or hundreds of years later at least. Uh, when Saul appears here, uh, seven, eight hundred years later after they came up out of Egypt, and God is still referring to Amalek in the first person. And as we dig into this, we're going to begin to get an understanding of what is actually taking place in this 15th chapter. Because what we find out after the command that was given to him to go destroy this group of people uh <laughs> We, we, as we'll read in the coming days, we're going to see that Saul and the people failed to do this, and they failed to to fulfill the commandment of the Lord. They only did it part way, and it's very symbolic, and 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 in in essence, it's a reference to the final end time pattern, so to speak, prophetic pattern that'll emerge again amongst the people of God. They too will fail to destroy Amalek. Now listen. Uh, that 'll all make sense to you in the next two days, but listen, we will see why why saul 's failure was so egregious because as you read the story you 'll see that he didn 't fulfill the commandment of God. he went out, but he didn 't completely wipe this uh, Amalekite nation off the face of the planet now that sounds really heavy duty to a lot of people like, oh, this is just a god you know who 's you know mean and he, why would he even kill the infants and sucklings and lambs you know that doesn't make sense to us now but as we get into this you'll begin to see why and and i think it'll it'll blow you away like it did me so to understand uh this we really have to ask the question or understand what is amalek or or better said who is this amalek that god wants to destroy and everything about it and so to do this, uh, I believe we need to seek for the keys to this, to who this person was and who his descendants were. And in order to do yeah. that, we need to we we find those keys. Uh, those keys are found in his genealogy or in his family tree. You have to go yeah. back and look at his family tree. And so that's what we're going to do. And, and just hang in there because what you're about to hear is quite amazing. Let's go over to Genesis chapter 36, would you, Jeremy, for us? Yes, yes. Genesis 36. Now, we're, we're beginning our study now, but we had to lay all this introduction and say all this stuff we said to set a tone, to set a mood, and to put our hearts and minds in a prophetic point of view and an understanding that the story or the unfolding story of human history has its origins in the in the ancient past. And in order to understand where we are now, we need to understand where we have been as a species, as, as a humanity collective, because that's how God sees things. He sees things in the big picture. And, and so he's calling us to see things in that way now, because what's ahead of us is the absolute destruction of Amalek, if you will. And we'll see who he is in a minute here. So to do that, we need to look at his genealogy. And and Brother Jeremy, could you read to us uh, Genesis chapter
0: 36, uh, verse 12? And read it slow, would you? And Timnah was concubine to Eliphaz, Esau's son, and she bare to Eliphaz Amalek. These were the sons of Adah, Esau's wife.
2: So
1: what we have revealed here to begin with is is the name of of uh, of Amalek's parents. One is named Timnah, that is his mother, and one is named Eliphaz, that is Esau's son. What's really interesting about uh, Eliphaz is is his mother was a Hittite of the daughters of Canaan. Now, why this is important, because Eliphaz was Amalek's father. Why this is important, I can already hear everybody go ahead. Oh, my God. All right. So, this is, all right, look at this. Go back, Brother Jeremy, uh, to see uh, what was said about Canaan, because Eliphaz's mother was a daughter of Canaan. Now, go back to uh, Genesis chapter 9. 9, yes. Yes. Okay here and, and in genesis 9 what's going to be revealed is the line and where it actually starts where amalek's line actually starts is is twofold one is from yeah. timna one is from eliphaz eliphaz's mother was Adah, and eliphaz's father was esau esau and ada came together and had a son whose name was eliphaz who was the father of this Amalek. But we're going to get into that in a second. So to trace the line then of this Amalek, we need to go all the way back to on the other side of the flood when Noah and his sons came out. Because the line of of the daughters of, of, of Canaan come through Canaan, obviously, right? That's who Eliphaz married, was the daughter of Canaan. But let's see who his father was. Look at... Uh,
0: Genesis nine eighteen. Would you read that, Brother Jeremy? And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth. And Ham is the father of Canaan. Yes. Now, the story goes on like this. After the other side of the flood,
1: uh, our attention is drawn to the three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Japheth, it e- immediately tells us, I mean, Ham, immediately we are told Becomes the father of Canaan. That's where we get the term Canaan land, you know. But Ham yeah. did something after the flood. In verse twenty, what does it say, Brother Jeremy? Nine twenty.
0: Yes, and Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. Uh, you talking about twenty-two verse? Verse twenty-two, Brother
1: yeah, Mark? Yeah, keep reading. 20, yeah. 20
0: okay. Through 22. Okay. And he drank of the wine and was drunken. And he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without.
1: And what did they do, Shem and Japheth?
0: Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father and their face Faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness.
1: And when Noah had awoke,
0: he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren.
1: So there sorry, we see, see that. Keep... No, that's okay. Uh, Noah awoke from his wine in verse 24, and it says mm-hmm. this very interestingly, so it says that he knew what his younger son had done to him. Yes. yes. He did something to his father. And I don't want to dig into it, but it 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 <laughs> it yeah. was a it was something that was wrong and it was something that was uh, perverse in nature. And we don't have time to get into this, but it is part and parcel of of what uh what made uh Noah so angry at him it wasn't simply yes. that he walked into his father's tent and laughed at him and said, oh, dad's naked, man. Check him out. Check out the old man. He's been drinking too much. That's not what it happened here. He did something right. to his father to disgrace him and dishonor him. And we won't dig into it because it's not necessary, but it, it, it immediately pr- pronounced a curse on all the lineage of Ham. And what's interesting is that Noah jumps several generations here Mm-hmm. And 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 curses Canaan. Now Canaan, again, I'm pointing this out, is is the son, uh, is the father, if you will, of these what is known as the daughters of Canaan, right? And and these people that came out of Canaan became the Jebusites, the 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 Hivites, the Hittites, all of the cursed and and wicked people of the ancient day. Now go back to to, to Genesis chapter thirty six, would you, brother? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> so now, when we when we get to Genesis thirty six twelve, we have a better understanding here. Eliphaz's mother was a Da. She was a Hittite. She was of the daughters of Canaan that were cursed. So first, the first thing we learn there is that Amalek's father is cursed because he's in the line. By his by his uh, his father's mother is in the line of Canaan and 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 Noah pronounced a curse over them. So right away, even before he's ever born, his entire genealogy has been cursed on his father's side. But then something else is interesting here because what's pointed out to us in verse twelve: Who was his mother? Jeremy, could you read verse twelve again? Genesis thirty six
0: twelve. <clears throat> and Timnah was was concubine to Eliphaz. Eliphaz. Esau's son, and she bare to Eliphaz Amalek. These were the Amalek. sons of, of of the sons of Ada uh, of Ada, Esau's wife. Right. So,
1: uh, <laughs> so Eliphaz, Esau's son, Ada's uh, son, uh, is the father of Amalek. But the woman that he joined himself to is known as Timnah, the concubine. So what what we have here is is God drawing our attention to who the parents of Amalek are, in order to begin to understand just what this is. We're going to dig deeper. First, let's just throw it out here that that what the names of Timnah, Amalek's mother, and Eliphaz mean, because they're, they'll they'll begin to really reveal some things as we go along. The name of Timna, her name literally means uh, to restrain or to hinder. And Eliphaz, his father's name, literally means my God is the God of gold. My God mm-hmm. is the God of gold. So these two individuals whose name means the restrainer or the hinderer and my God is gold are the parents of the one known. As Amalek. Amalek is the son of these two. Now just remember that. Because remember this also, that in Scripture, heritage is always traced through the mother. It comes through the mother. But now, let's focus on this. Who is this Timnah? Who is she? Because we need to know who she is. Because all we're told here in verse 12 is she's, she's a concubine, right? That's all we know. But the scripture always reveals scripture, and this is where we will see who she is. In verse 22, brother, can you read verse 22 of chapter 36?
0: Yes. And the children of Lotan were Hori and Heman, and Lotan's sister was Timna. Okay, so now there's another clue, right? We know
1: that she's related to this lotan right timna is related yes. to lotan so in order to find out who timna's father is we have to find out who lotan's father is because they're brother and sister now check this out read verse 19 would you and 20
0: oh, uh, there are these are the sons of esau who is who is edom and these are their dukes these are the sons of Sair, the Horite, who inhabited the land, Lotan, and Shobal, and zibian and Anah.
1: Anah. So what we have identified here, then,
0: is that the sons of Seir,
1: the Horite, who's inhabiting Mount Seir, the very firstborn, his name is what? Lotan, right? Mm-hmm. Are you with me? Right.
0: In yes. in ver- and, in ver-
1: and in verse 22, we're told that Lotan is the brother of timna who is the mother of amalek so as we begin to put these pieces together what's being revealed here is that timna is the mother of amalek and her father is Seir, and he is called the horite and he is the father of lotan who is the brother of timna who is the mother of Amalek. Now I know you guys' head's spinning, but keep it together and watch this. Because in verse 22, all I'm doing is quoting scripture to you, man. So look, what's yeah. interesting about verse 22, and you all, whoever's listening, just hang with us. And, and what's interesting about verse 22 is that it says that the children of Lotan, Hori and Hem, were Hori and hemna But then it it connects Lotan in a very interesting way. Because it just kind of throws in there it says uh, Lotan's sister was Timna isn't that weird I mean why would yeah, you it include is. that it's just kind yeah, it of just kind of put there like a little nugget like a like a thorn in in your shoe I mean it when I read scripture and I read stuff like that I'm like wait a minute you know why did you say that I mean it just doesn't seem <laughs> to flow right with what you're talking right. about oh but it does because it God does. is showing us and you need to know and learn how to interpret scripture God is showing us something, and He wants us to pay attention to. He wants us to dig it out. So, what have we learned here? timna is the mother of Amalek. She is the sister of Lotan, who is the son of Seir. And Seir is a Horite. Now, all of this will begin to make sense to you in a second. Here, Seir is then. The, the, the great great grandfather of you of of Amalek he's the grandfather of Amalek, and so we need to trace his line because that's who God draws our attention to. remember there's these names are all going to open up to us and 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 we're going to see as we dig into this. first of all, I want to show you something here in verse nineteen we know that the father of Timna is seir, the father of Lotan is seir, and Timna is the mother of Amalek. And, and remember what we started out talking about here. Why is God so emphatic about destroying the Amalekites? This is why. And Amalek, In Kassir the Horite, he's called in Genesis 36:19, which Jeremy just read. Now, to get even, uh, to to get even more of an insight, we have to explore what the heck is a Horite, <laughs> right? Right. because that's what he's identified at, as a Horite. Now, this takes some time to dig into this but you guys can you guys can you know go do this those of you listening can go check this out on your own but in my studies i began to discover what the horites were uh and and Marty, modern archaeologists tell us this that that the the term horite is not a reference to their ethnicity it's not an ethnic reference but it is a reference to an ancient priestly class And and they served the sun god of the ancient Egyptians years forward, that would be. So this is where they first began to trace the Horites when they came across the ancient gods of the Egyptians. And, And they're called Horites because they were a priestly class of people by the time it got to Egypt's time. Horus is the god of Egypt. He's the sun god, Horus. But the, 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 uh, the vestiges or the foundation of the Horites goes even further back than that, and we'll get to that in a second. But they began to trace that term, the Horite, with the priestly class or the, the priestly royal class that was dedicated to two things. They were builders. The archaeologists say they built some of the most fantastic structures dedicated to the worship of the sun god. The sun god in Egyptians' times was known as Horus. And what's interesting, that's where we get the term uh, the Horites now. Uh, But the symbols of the sun god was the the falcon-headed god, you know, that black-headed falcon that you see in Egyptian hieroglyphs. But his right. symbol was also, listen to this, was also the all-seeing eye, which we mm. know represents Lucifer. The all-seeing eye represents Lucifer. So this class of priests, as it made its way into Egypt, became known uh, as, as the priest of Horus. But archaeologists tell us it actually has its origins even before Horus. And how it emerged in the mythology of the Egyptians, but nonetheless, they're known as the Horites. But if we go back further, they're said to be, because remember, the reason we're talking about the Horites is because Amalek is in this line, right? His mother, Timna, his uncle, Lotan, and their dad, Seir, are called Horites. Therefore, Timna, the mother of Amalek, is a Horite. And and that means that Amalek literally comes from a line of priests that worshipped the all-seeing eye, Lucifer. Listen, so if we go farther, <laughs> if we go back farther, they're said to have been in the tradition, listen to this, in the service of that archaic kingdom of old. The Egyptians called it Zeptepi the first time. And the first time is known as the time before the flood. They, this this class that emerged out of the lineage of Ham, took up a tradition uh, uh, of the legendary priests before the flood. They served in the deep occult worship traditions of the priests in the time before the flood. That's why you begin to see people like Nimrod emerging almost immediately after the flood you know just a few generations after they came across on the boat they begin to try and re-access uh the the same kind of occult uh summoning of the fallen angel of of genesis chapter 6 verse 4 lore if you will and and so it is that priestly class it is said uh, that that there were priests that served in a in an occult dark worship of what is known as the mighty men of old Genesis 6 verse 4 and those mighty men of old are the nephilim that that mingling of the fallen angels with the daughters of men and you guys can go study it those that are listening Genesis chapter 6 it says the sons of god saw the daughters of men and they 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 were fair, beautiful to look upon, and they ma- they took them wives. And then Genesis 6-4 tells us that the the offspring of these this angelic uh, mingling with 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 the seed of women or the or the egg of the woman produced the legendary giants of old, the Nephilim. Now, what apparently happened in that interim period between this corruption of the seed of humanity back in the day? before the flood was these great monolithic structures were erected, these temples that became uh places and houses of a priestly occult kind of worship class, an aristocracy, that were dedicated specifically to worshiping the Nephilim, the offspring of the fallen angels. And apparently this this knowledge came across uh the flood after God destroyed the world, and after God, uh, you know, uh, uh, cleansed the planet, that knowledge came across the boat uh, with with Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Noah's three sons' wives, and his wife. But God draws our attention immediately to Ham. Remember, because we, we started uh, quoting that scripture when we first started this, that, that Ham became the father of Canaan, who became uh the the father of of all the, the pagan uh tribes of the land of Canaan, the Hittites, the the Jebusites, so forth and so on. And and there was a marrying of the house of the Canaanites and the Horites. This is some really ancient stuff here, and this isn't Bible one oh one. But you dig and you do your studies and you'll begin to see that a picture begins to emerge as to why this Amalek is so hated by God. Because a demonic union took place between the house of, of Seir and the house of Canaan. And and that was manifested by Eliphaz, the, the son of Adah, who was a Canaanite woman, and Esau, who was his father. and And then he finds a wife from the daughters of Seir, the Horites, now the archaeologists tell us these Horites were in the tradition and the legend of, of the priests that ministered to the Nephilim before them. They were a satanic a satanic and dark priestly class known as the Horites. Now listen. This is why a picture begins to emerge like we said uh, that <coughs> of why Amalek the product of this was so hated. Now listen, consider this also uh, that in, in, in revealing to us the name of Timna's father, Seir. Those of you who have ever studied the Bible, you understand that that uh, Esau uh, destroyed uh, uh, the the warriors of Mount Seir and literally overtook Mount Seir. Right, that became the property of Esau. The Bible calls hmm. Esau the Edomite. The Edomites are where the Roman Empire came from. And I don't want to get too far adrift, but you'll begin to see all these components, whether it be Rome. Babel, the Nephilim, the the priestly uh, class that picked up the worship of the ancient Nephilim into the into the land of Egypt, that would emerge as the as the worship of the sun god, the all-seeing eye, Horus. All this stuff make up the soup, if you will, of of what would be known as the Amalekites. Listen to this: Seir, being Timna's father is is very very interesting listen to this his name seer Am- amalek's grandfather's name seer, means
0: the he-goat
1: the hairy he-goat man wow <laughs>
2: man. The hairy for- yeah,
1: yeah the satyr it means a satyr you know that that legendary half man half goat thing you know, a, yes. a Greek mythology, the satyr. you know, that's who his grandfather was. And, and, and this hairy goat gives fathers a daughter uh, named Timna, who fathers a son named Amalek, who God hates. Why? Well, we'll go on to see. Remember, and I want to share something with you, because as I was studying this out, I've always been intrigued by the story of when our Lord Jesus came to Gadara. And he was met there by a man that was possessed by demonic powers who, who identified themselves to the Lord as, as legion, right, that they had, they had possessed him. And then they asked the Lord then, have you come to destroy us before our time? And he told him to shut up, right, and, and, and he told them to leave the man. And they begged him to do something, which was really intense, which was, can we go into these pigs? And I always found that really, really interesting. Like, why, you know, why didn't you say that flock of geese over there or something? You know, how about those seagulls, right? The, I mean, they,
0: right. They, right.
1: they choked these pigs. Well, as I dug into what these pigs were, this is these pigs were legendary pigs. They seem to have been uh, uh, some, uh, some call them boars, but some believe that these pigs were like a hybrid between goats and pigs. So they were like a hairy goat pig. They were a different wow. class of pig, which is really interesting because it symbolizes, uh, you know, uh, that one from from way back when at the beginning of Genesis, that hairy goat, that grandfather of Amalek. He's, his name literally means the he-goat, the hairy he-goat, the satyr, a demonic presence. And so, so this picture begins to emerge of who Amalek really is. So let's just break down the names because God is connecting these names in the genealogy as little hints to us, which will ultimately play out as we go through the story of why what Saul and Israel did in failing to destroy them, why it was so egregious and why it is a foreshadow for our times and the church that's going to fall away. First of all, by just breaking down the names of Amalek's genealogy, we see this. Seir, the he-goat, produces Lotan, who will become the covering and the veil. That's what Lotan means. Who then produces Timnah, which means the restrainer and the hinderer. Who marries Eliphaz, my god, is gold and they produce Amalek the dweller in the valley of the shadow of death that's what that means so the he the he goat the covering the restrainer the god of gold produces one son the dweller in the valley of the shadow of death that's who this amalek is he is a foreshadow and 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 all that demonic lineage which has its origin in the very DNA, if you will, that was pre-flood of Noah, has all been poured into this Amalek through the through the genealogy, through the family tree of the Canaanites and the Horites. And the result is Amalek way back in the beginning. And so now we begin to understand a little bit of, of something really intense, because the first time we see this Amalek, who, by the way, is a foreshadow of the one that we're going to talk about in the coming days, which is that Antichrist, that son of perdition, the son of the he-goat, right? Right. His genealogy goes all the way back to the he-goat, and he's connected to the fallen angels. I think we're seeing hints here, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, That this Antichrist figure is going to be a hybrid of some sort, energized by fallen angel wisdom, if you will, and and using the substance of human clay or DNA uh, to produce this wicked one. There's something really interesting as we get into this, because Daniel reveals that the body of the Antichrist will literally be destroyed itself, the actual body. Will be destroyed because it, it's an abomination right. in the sight of God. But that, that's for the future. But listen to this. So now we begin to get a, a, a more of an insight as to as to uh, look how intense this this Amalek is. Turn over to Exodus 17, would you, Jeremy? Real quick. Yes. Because in order to understand the commandment that was given to to Saul uh, by Samuel to now destroy them. Uh, we are now beginning to see a picture of why God hates this entire race, this entire class of of, uh, 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 of people known as the Amalekites, because of what flows through their blood is the most satanic thing that, that you can imagine. But we, get, we begin to get an insight here because a little insight into what happened after Israel was delivered, right? Uh, did I tell you
0: where to turn? Yeah, Exodus 17. 17.
1: Yeah, Exodus 17. Beginning with uh, with this account here, uh, the the children of Israel have been delivered from Egypt, and they come to a place where uh, they have no water, and and, and they begin to, to cry out for thirst and complain about the fact they have no water. And the story is really interesting because God tells, tells uh, Moses what to do. Would you read verse 5 and 6, Jeremy?
0: Yes. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river. Take in thy hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel.
1: So, what we have here is an account. The children of Israel delivered, and now the pattern begins to emerge, right? They find themselves in a the desert, which is really a type of, of this life. And like Brother Fernando quoted yesterday, that what happened to Israel in the past was meant to be an example to us upon whom the ends of the world have come. So they reach a point where uh, they're thirsting, they have nothing. And what God tells them, what God tells Moses is, go stand on this rock in Horeb by Sinai, right? And I want you to smite the rock and water's going to come out of it. It's a type of the lord jesus christ paul said that rock is our spiritual drink right he he is yeah. christ that rock was christ it's representative of christ moses represents in that case the law mm-hmm. of god and and the rod in his hand is the punishment of god uh being placed upon the rock and what was being revealed was that that rock would be smitten and then water would come out that would slake the thirst of humanity it's a perfect type of calvary and the resurrection you know the, the the calvary is the smiting of the rock the water gushing out is life that is the resurrection and so it was as if god was prophesying in this very act that in the future one was going to come who would who would pay the price and as a result water would be given to the entirety of humanity but What's interesting in their case, in the wilderness, it was at this very point when the water comes out, then somebody shows up. And that's verse 8. Right.
0: Go ahead. Then, bro, came, then came Amalek and fought then with came Israel. Im- yes. And, and fought and with Israel. Notice where he comes to contend.
1: He comes to fight. Now we just went through his whole genealogy, and I know many people's heads are spinning. But I think near the end there, you kind of understood what we were doing. It's not like I said Bible or what, but I mean it's deep stuff, man. But but look at this. So so when he shows up now, he's fully grown, Amalek, and and he's now attacking Israel at the point of the cross and the resurrection, right? He's a foreshadow of of that wicked one. He's a foreshadow of that antichrist that was that will come now this is interesting because this is where the fight against amalek begins remember how we started our study way back at the beginning quoting first samuel fifteen one through 3 in the second verse god tells saul through the prophet samuel i remember what amalek did to israel and now go and kill him go get rid of him completely we'll, we'll dig into that tomorrow and and we won't have to get into this deep genealogy tomorrow, but we have to lay this groundwork because as we go in these next couple podcasts after this, we're going to see how these things have come to rest in our time upon whom the ends of the world have come. And we're going to see what is actually happening in this country and amongst the so-called Christian West and why we know that this Amalek is nearing his, is unveiling because he is a foreshadow of that wicked one, that Antichrist that's to come. So Amalek comes and fights with Israel in Rephidim. And, and and Moses in verse 9 says to Joshua, go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'm going to stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God. And so Joshua did like Moses said. He went and fought with Amalek. And then Moses, Aaron, and Hur go up to the top of the hill. Now, check this out. And it came to pass that when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. But when he let down
0: his hand, Amalek prevailed. Can you read verse 12, verse uh, Jeremy? But Moses' but hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon. And Aaron and Ur stayed up, stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And? And and Joshua Joshua, disconfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword.
1: So what we see here is an interesting account. And the reason I, there's so much we could talk about here, so many things that, that pertain to the gospel, so many things that pertain to the Lord. But the one thing I want to point out to you here is just how difficult this fight was. See, this doesn't make sense. I mean, you've got Moses, you've got Aaron, and you've got mm-hmm. her overlooking the battlefield. And, and right. so powerful was this Amalek <laughs> that even Moses and her and, and, and Aaron were needed, spiritually speaking, to something far uh, let's just pause here and we' we'll, and we'll close
0: quickly so they
2: they were, they were definitely empowered um, um by by these powers of darkness yeah um, so that's what we're trying to bring forth that this is what just wasn't a, you know as we're classically taught, you know Amalek is a type of the flesh uh it it was much more than that
1: absolutely right?
2: it, it, it was powers of darkness, and again you see the the uh uh how Moses begins to get tired because he, it, it's a battle that's beyond uh human capability that's what we're trying to bring forth and 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 so yes this is what was behind amalek what you brought out so beautifully and it's right there in scripture for for the listener to go and dig out and search out but uh yeah this is definitely a uh, powerful stuff that's here.
1: good that's really good and and check this out um let's take it a little deeper here Let's look at the symbolism, even though it actually happened. Moses, in this sense, and and, and look, man, I, I, I even hesitate talking about this because people won't really understand, but I pray you pray and understand, because the emphasis here is the amount of effort it takes to even have a battle with Amalek. This is not mm-hmm. a normal fight. Right. Understand that that entire valley of Rephidim, was being contested over by the powers of darkness in such a way that it gives us a picture of the struggle between the seen and the unseen world. In a sense, if you can receive it, Moses, Aaron, and Hur are a representative, if you will, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit fighting from their mountain. But you see, what is revealed here is a joshua joshua yes. in hebrew is is ishua ishua is the name of jesus <laughs> jesus is his his english name right ishu is his greek name and ishua is his hebrew name ishua ishua had to come in the valley to fight amalek and 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 what we're seeing is is this is is it's like saying Representative of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit on the mountain by Moses, Aaron, and Her, and then our attention is drawn into the valley below, representative of the planet. That in essence, these three are going to come down into one. All the infused holy power of God was going to come down into an Ishua, a, a future uh, Savior. Right. This yes. is what we're seeing here. But also understand, not to take away from from that. But to understand that now we understand who this Amalek is. He is the progenitor of, 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 of demonic forces that had their origin in the dateless past, even before the flood and the judgment. And his family tree runs through and, and we see him fighting Joshua, mighty Joshua, you know, and and, and, and it's and it's requiring the high priest Aaron. And her, who is a type of the Holy Spirit. Why do you say that, Brother Marty? Because his son, his grandson was Bezalel. And Bezalel was the artistic one who who fashioned and constructed and knew how to build the tabernacle in the wilderness. So her is a type of the spirit. Aaron is a type of a pre incarnate Christ, if you will, as the high priest, and Moses is the father. All three of them are symbolic of how they would be necessary. And their strength was going to come down into one Yeshua, and he alone can fight Amalek. That's what they're saying to us. He alone can fight Amalek. Our heavenly Yeshua is going to come down again in the valley of Rephidim, if you will, and he's going to smite Amalek. And what's interesting is what he goes on to say in verse 13. Can you read 13 and 14, brother? Yes.
0: Yes. And Joshua disconfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven.
1: That is incredible because if you can see it, it's interesting what the Lord has Moses do. He says, write this. I want you to put it in a book and I want you to read it over and over and over in Joshua's ears. What is this symbolic of? This is symbolic of what happened when the real Ishua came. Because right. Jesus said I I don't do anything except what I see my father do. I don't I don't, you know, I don't say anything except what I see my father said. This is a precursor to the Full Old Testament, if you will, from Genesis to Malachi, by which the Lord himself would read and become the master of it, Jesus the man, if you will, Yeshua the man, and he would become that one capable of dealing with Amalek, just like Joshua. It, it is a foreshadow of the coming of the Son of God, and and he would find his mission, which is to absolutely destroy Amalek. Oh, I hope some of you can hear this and grow up quickly. That is what Jesus did. He found his instructions in the word of Almighty God, just like Joshua was told to find his instructions concerning Amalek in the book that Moses wrote. So Moses builds an altar in verse 15 and calls it the Lord my banner because he's declaring from that very point that this war is going to last until the end of time. Isn't that what he says in verse 16? Brother Jeremy, would you read that?
0: Yes, for he said, because the Lord had sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Yes. So okay. now let's go back
1: and close this first part of this podcast, this part one with with First Samuel again. Would you read that, Brother Jeremy? First Samuel, first uh, yes.
0: chapter first fifteen. Samuel. Mm-hmm. Yes. through one, right three, here. three. Okay. It says Samuel also. Said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I will remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not. But right slay there's both good.
1: Men. And, spare, and, and wait, no, that's good right there. So now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy, utterly destroy all that they have, spare them not. We see Amalek reemerge, and now we have a different picture, I think, as we've done this very first part to this message and this teaching that we're doing, of where we are, and why God hated Amalek so much. His roots go all the way back to before the flood, man. His roots are in that hairy goat man, right? Seer. <laughs> He's solid. Right. Right, we were talking about. And, and like he told uh, Joshua back then and the children of Israel, I'm going to be fighting with this spirit, the spirit of Amalek uh, throughout every generation. But like we saw in Exodus, There is a heavenly Yeshua, a heavenly Joshua, that's coming to deal with this one, this spirit called Amalek. The command was given to Saul, you go deal with him. And as we get into this tomorrow, we're going to see how Saul is a perfect picture of this last time church and what's coming. And why this church is under indictment, why the church in this country, that is the backslidden church, that has failed to fulfill the word of God to destroy this spirit of Amalek but has kept the best for itself and even invited its king king Agag to its own party and ultimately its own demise our heavenly king david is just ahead that would be the result of this rebellion that Saul would would uh, incur the, the the penalty of the rebellion that is why now we can understand a little bit better as we get into this when Saul uh, when Samuel tells Saul something what does he tell him In verse 23, Jeremy, of chapter 15.
2: Yes, it says,
0: verse 3, you said, brother? 23. 23. I'm sorry. It says, for rebellion is as the sin, excuse me, yeah, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry, because thou has rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being
1: king that takes on quite a heavy meaning now doesn't it when when yes. we when we take it in light of everything that we've been talking about up to this point why samuel used that kind of language to him he says okay. your rebellion is is like witchcraft you've allowed amalek and its king to survive <laughs> you know well, and and, right. and 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 your stubbornness is like the iniquity of idolatry which is adultery really. And, and, and he says he, that's what he said is you've tapped into this spirit and, you know, I don't want to leave it on a heavy note, but the truth of the matter is where we're headed is, is, is an unveiling of how far this church has fallen away. That is the church in the West and particularly the backslidden uh, church in the United States of America that claims to be, obeying the will of God. But the truth is, it's kept the best of Amalek for Amen. itself. This is why King David must come. This is why the Lord Jesus is soon to return. Even so,
2: come yes. quickly, Lord, is our prayer. Would
1: you finish it out for us, brothers?
2: Yes. Amen. Uh, I was given thought to, uh, <clears throat> you know, why the, the New Testament um opens up with Jesus um, calling himself, first of all, he said, Jesus, the son of David. And there's a reason why, as we're talking about what we're talking about, because David was a man of war. And we read of his stories and and, and his his great exploits. Jesus was David in the spirit when he came. Hallelujah. Jesus was David in the spirit. When you saw him cast out demons, it was David in the spirit. When you saw him open up blinded eyes, it was David in the spirit. When you saw him to make the lame walk, it was David in the spirit. He is the son of David. So it's so powerful what we're talking about here. We're talking about that which cannot be seen, but only by the trained spiritual eyes. We must allow the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal to us these things and 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 to to help us to see within the veil. He Brother Fernando. our heavenly. Yes. I'm sorry. Tell the people, um, who
0: killed Saul? Uh, I
2: think it was an Amalekite. Amalekite,
1: right? Amalekites. Amalekite. It was an Amalekite. Actually, it was Saul who killed himself. Remember, he committed Yeah, curse, he fell
2: on but... his own sword, correct.
1: Yeah, but who took yes. his crown and brought it to David?
2: An Amalekite.
1: An Amalekite. And what did David do with the Amalekite? He killed them. him. That's, yeah, right. that's
0: right. Killed
1: him. So we'll just whet the appetite with that. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. You just inspired me I'm Like of <laughs> I, probably,
2: I yeah. probably got a little head, huh? <laughs> no, but it, it's it's powerful, powerful. And, and uh, um, I can't wait till tomorrow. And, and again, I challenge the people go and listen. Go and listen to this podcast again and, and look at the names that we spoke about. They're very important. The Holy Spirit does not leave these names there or these genealogies there for no reason. I remember when I was a young Christian, I'll leave you with this. I used to I was tempted to skip those genealogies. Um, but the Holy Spirit began to train me to study those names because in those names are contained incredible stories and in revelation. So I challenge the listener to do the same. Praise God.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to add to none of that because this is a perfect way to to end it, (laughs) you know. It it is kind of sad, though, and I hate to say this, but it is kind of sad when you hear a lot of the preachers today who tell us with their mouth that they don't study the genealogies. (laughs) They're boring, you know. That's true. That's true. But I'll leave it like that. Uh, Which is why why most of their (laughs) sermons are boring. Right. Right. (laughs) they haven't found you know they, they say it. i don't study the prophets i don't study the genealogies there's, there's nothing there you know but yeah. as we're seeing right now it's the very opposite uh we yeah. are we're eating amen we're eating of the manna from heaven praise god uh, I, I, i've been blessed and i pray that you've been blessed too and and i pray that you uh tune in with us tomorrow as we continue uh and understanding i've i've there's a lot of things that i've And I'm going to study today again because a lot of things are making sense of the urgency of that command to destroy the Amalekites. May God bless you.
2: May God keep you. And as always, keep looking up.